Welcome to day 156 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Job, chapter 16 through 18, and Psalm 68. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. The psalm for today, Psalm 66, contains some of my favorite lines of personal testimony. Come and see God's deeds. His works for human beings are awesome. Come close and listen, all you who honor God. I will tell you what God has done for me. Bless God, he didn't reject my prayer. He didn't withhold his faithful love from me. However, in the middle of this beautiful psalm of testimony is this confession in verses 10 through 12. But you, God, have tested us. You've refined us like silver, trapped us in a net, laid burdens on our backs, let other people run over our heads. We've been through fire and water. Q. James Taylor, the psalmist is singing, Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. The beautiful testimonies of faith in Psalm 66 have come through challenges, not in the avoidance of them. Job isn't ready to sing songs of testimony quite yet. Job is still feeling trapped in a net with burdens on his back. Job responds to the second speech of Eliphaz in chapters 16 and 17. Now that he's heard from all three of his friends, in chapter 16, he affirms again that so far, their advice has been pretty worthless. They keep speaking from what they believe to be the primary principles of the universe, but they're not speaking from personal experience, nor are they empathizing with the experiences that Job is going through. Perhaps they should think about putting themselves in Job's position for a while. What would they want him to say to them if the roles were reversed? Job turns from criticizing his friends to once again complaining about God. God has marked him and torn him apart. Job now considers God his enemy. Job can only describe God's actions toward him as without pity. Job is left with nothing but ashes and tears. Job believes that what he needs is some kind of heavenly witness who knows Job's innocence and will plead his case with God. Of course, Job is unaware in the story that his circumstances have been caused by a heavenly accuser, but what he hopes for is the opposite, a heavenly advocate who, even if it is after his death, will clear Job's reputation and restore Job's legacy. So far, God has been unwilling to talk to Job directly, but perhaps Job thinks God would speak to this heavenly advocate. Job's lament continues into chapter 17 with an acknowledgement that his spirit has been broken. Job's life is without hope due to hostility from God, mocking from his friends, and the deterioration of his health. Death and Sheol are all that await him, and he expects both of those to come quite soon. Job is crushed, hopeless, and deeply depressed. Bildad speaks for the second time in chapter 18. In the first speech from Bildad, he affirmed the justice of God. Those who do good things are blessed, those who sin are cursed. In the second speech, Bildad's irritation with Job clearly shows through. He doesn't move away from his certainty in God's justice, but now he sees little or no hope for Job. If Job persists in his anger against God and his refusal to repent, there is no point in God or the friends offering to Job a way out of his troubles. The things Job is experiencing now will only get worse. The worst of what Job has coming to him is the elimination from existence that the wicked experience. When the wicked die, argues Bildad, they are erased from history and memory. God makes sure it is as though they have never existed. Much of Bildad's speech is downright cruel. It appears he hopes Job might be shocked out of his despair and anger. 
Like Job's friends, the church struggles to know how to meet people in the midst of depression. Although Bildad's speech is plain awful, I'm sympathetic with his desire for Job to just snap out of his depression, move on, praise God, and seek goodness and happiness again. But Job isn't there yet. His hurt is too deep to simply live into the cliche, let go and let God. Bildad's impatience with Job's depression turns to anger and then only deepens the sense of isolation for Job. The friends, quote-unquote, who want to be a source of healing have ended up having the exact opposite effect on Job. It's still hard for the church to know how to be lovingly patient with people suffering in the depths of depression without either being too simplistic or adding to the pain. Perhaps that's one of the reasons we ought to sit in these texts with Job for a while. We need to sit in his pain and sense Job's depression and be patient with him as he tries to find light on the other side. So read these texts slowly and carefully and sit with Job in the darkness. Tomorrow, we hear Zophar's second speech and more of Job's responses. We're reading chapters 19 through 21. I'll talk to you tomorrow.